0: Okay, howdy everybody, and welcome to your dog's best life. Now, before you run away, good news Maggie is joining us today. So, no more of me just rattling out by myself like a dipshit. You've got Maggie joining us, who she can also sound like a dipshit. So, that's the good news. I finally trapped Maggie in the corner, and now she's here. And we have actually been planning this talk f- or this podcast for a bit. We both attended air quotes. The Aggression in Dogs Conference, a couple weeks ago, put on by Michael Shikashio, who is kind of considered, or totally considered, I'm not really certain, the guy to go to for aggression in dogs in the positive reinforcement kind of part of dog training. So we're going to talk a little bit about the conference, a lot of bit about the conference. We're going to kind of geek out, but we're also going to kind of keep bringing it home to you guys so that it's relevant for normal people, not just dog geeks. Um, And the first thing I'm going to say is before we get started, we're going to kind of noodle around on what aggression is. But the other thing we're going to really talk about is if you are facing a dog who's actually showing aggression, and I'm talking about legit poking holes in people, poking holes in other dogs. That is not a DIY thing. It, this is something that you absolutely need a trainer for. Um, aggression, regardless of cause, is a learned, after it's, after it's been tried out by a dog, or cat, canary, whatever, once it's been tried out and found to be successful, now it is a learned behavior. And now it can become very, a very powerful force in your dog's life. So if you are yourself facing a dog who causes dog on dog aggression, so you've got dog fights in your house with poke holes, um, or they're serious or they're scary, or you've got kids involved. That's when you call a dog trainer. If you've got a dog who is willing to commit teeth to another human being, whether that human being lives in your house house or does not. That is a recipe for buying uh, calling a trainer. We are not going to give you solutions to help you with your dog who wants to eat the neighbor because it is unethical to do so over the interwebs. And that is something well beyond the scope of our fluffy little podcast for mostly kind of beginner and moderate dog trainers. So um, just that little caveat at the beginning. And uh, so we... We are going, we're going to go to Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And any ethical trainer faced with an aggression case is going to tell you to go to your vet anyway. So you're not saving time by not going to your vet because any trainer worth anything is going to send you to your vet. So the first thing we're going to do is before we get down into the weeds and have a lot of fun and geek out is we're going to put Maggie on the spot because Maggie really actually, so here's the deal. Uh, we've kind of both, we've all talked about kind of what we do in our business and I'll be honest, I don't deal with legit aggression cases. That's not my forte. That's not my little world. I mean, I do have some stories that I'll probably share later on about aggression, but they weren't with dogs. <laughs> I don't have anything to prove now because <laughs> I did it all before with horses. Um, Maggie, on the other hand, works at a place where dealing with legi- like legitimately aggressive dogs, we, whether they are aggressive towards other people or other animals is kind of her day-to-day life. So Maggie's gonna be able to give us a lot more, a lot broader picture of what aggression is and and how it proceeds and how she kind of plays with that a little bit. So the first thing we're gonna say is, Maggie, how would you define aggression? Oh no. I'm like, where'd she, I'm like, where'd she go? She ran away. (laughs) Oh, so you throw it back at me. I see how you're going to play this. (laughs) Um, Well, my plan was to ask you and then just sit back and carry on. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Good. Okay. No, because without without provocation, I I don't think that's relevant. I think provo because most dogs do are for one thing, provocation that's a whole, oh my God, that's a can of worms. How do you know? Was he provoked? Yeah, I mean, then you're getting into the mental state of the dog and wow, good luck with that. Um, I would say that it is using and again, this is one of those situations where uh what's it called when you this is an English uh, uh, when you use the word in its own definition. <laughs> But I would say that aggression is using violence or the threat of violence to control your environment. Um, that seems like the most basic, and there's a lot of things that look like aggression that aren't. And, and we're going to get into all of that down into the weeds. Um, and the reason that just so everybody can kind of hang on, even if you think, well, I don't have a dog who eats people. Um, a lot of behaviors that I see that when I say I don't handle the reason I went to, or went air quotes, went to, which meant involved me sitting on my couch and looking at my computer, uh, an aggression in dogs conference. even though I don't handle what I call committed aggression cases is that there's a, like every other behavior on the planet, there's a continuum and everything runs in that continuum. So you have everything from a dog who gives you what we call whale eye, which is kind of looking out of the corner of their eye. We can see the whites and then their mouth closes and that kind of just stillness that we all recognize, or hopefully, hopefully some of us are starting to learn to recognize, as a precursor to possibly a bite or at least a, a signal of, I am not comfortable with what's going on right now. That is a, a threat of of a possible future aggression if you continue your behavior, all the way up to the dog who corners you and, and is committed. Well, I deal with a lot of cases of dogs who are fearful and are dealing with anxiety. And anxiety can often result in some frustration and fear, and that will lead to aggressive behavior. Now, even if the dog is terrified and hiding in the corner, that doesn't mean he's never capable of, of biting. It just means that he hasn't found that solution yet. So even though I don't handle dogs that are committed to murder, does not mean I never see dogs who are, ca- are not capable of biting. And in fact, I handle a lot of high arousal dogs and we got into a lot of great, oh my God, the information on high arousal dogs in this, in this, uh, conference was amazing. And I will geek out, we'll both geek out on that a little bit later, but these dogs, these, these high drive dogs that I prefer, uh, border collies and, and high, you know, the dogs who do work for a living, you know, border collies and, and, German Shepherds and Malinois, those dogs, those types of breeds of dogs, if they are not completely fulfilled kind of 24-7, can immediately go down into frustration behaviors. And we see that. We see that with barking in circles, and we see that with um, spinning, and we see it with running from window to window. Well, those are all possibly on the continuum towards, towards aggression. So I do deal with trying to de-escalate those dogs. I'm just de-escalating from a much lower place. <laughs> I'm, there's less de-escalation in my world than there is in Maggie's world because Maggie's dealing with legit dogs and I'm dealing with not legit dogs. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it does. So, um, so how do we want to do this, Maggie? You want to just kind of geek out and we've learned We kind of just want to talk about aggression in general. What's our, what's our plan? Tell me what our plan is. Go for it. <laughs> Mm, It can't be. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. You don't want me trying to edit this because that turns into an unholy. No, no. Editing is bad. So don't make me edit anything. Um... (laughs) No editing can happen because it can't happen. Um, Okay. So I guess the first thing we're going to talk about is one of the things that I thought was really valuable about this. So the great thing about this conference to me was, again, this is a world that's not my world. I'm not in the world of aggressive dogs. But having said that, I, I like the idea of helping dogs. And, you know, there's going to be a time when I am going to accidentally take on an aggression case or, you know, I end up owning an aggression case. I mean, Ruby does have several bites to her name. Um, and I see a fair amount of dog on dog aggression. And so, I think let's talk about kind of the I'm going to say three at the top of my head and <laughs> hope it's correct. We'll see uh, the three most common types of aggression that that is defined by me. So Maggie might have other definitions. Is that people see in their own pet dogs? I mean, most people don't have Cujo in their home, and I'm hoping to hell if they do have Cujo in their home, they're not going. Oh, I'm going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to cure Cujo. You're not. Cujo had rabies. Okay don't. Um, the first kind of aggression, the, the, the three types of aggression that we see most often would be dog on dog aggression. Um, so that'd be inter household, a dog on dog aggression, or, uh, what we'd call dog reactivity on a leash, which could be a form of aggression or frustration and frustration leads to aggression and blah, blah, blah. Or then you've got human directed aggression. That is exactly what it sounds like. That is a dog who, uh, Aggresses towards human beings. And then the last thing is a more generalized type of aggression, which is called, which Maggie brought up earlier, called resource guarding, which is when a dog has a resource and that resource can be anything, a couch, it could be the owner, it could be another dog, it it could be anything. And they guard it against either other dogs, other people, or both. That's somewhat dependent on the dog. And those kind of cases I do see. I mean those are those are very tend to be very benign types of of guarding cases. Though you do have a story <laughs> about a resource guarding case that I think you should share because it was freaking hilarious. <laughs> Your evil kitten <laughs> no go for it well i kind of just did i kind of said it's it's guarding a thing or a place from another animal another human or another dog
1: or cat <laughs> yeah i <laughs> <laughs>
0: ha, ha, ha. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and I laugh because I've I've seen it. I've seen it in very young kittens. I've seen it in like six and seven week, and even eight week old kittens uh, around food. And what it, what I've seen is they'll actually have their faith. Because okay, I need everybody to imagine the, a cute, fluffy, adorable little kitten. Because that's why I was laughing. Because yes, resource guarding is serious, and yes, this could have become serious had we allowed this kitten to to continue this behavior into adulthood. But I'm sorry, it's very hard to take seriously the aggression of a half-pound kitten. So imagine a cute fluffy little kitten with a little big eyes and and his face covered in milk, and they'd shove their mouths and their heads into the milk and growl and snarl at everything around them the whole time. You know, the whole time they're eating, just defending it. And to be to be fair, when we look at resource guarding. Uh, a couple things come to mind. The first is this is a natural behavior. Every animal that has anything of value wants to keep the thing of value. And especially predators and omnivores, which find more things. A horse doesn't care that much about grass because you're standing on it. Uh, But they will defend their territory. I mean, if if another mare comes within, you know, they kind of get defensive of their turf, their local space. But if a dog runs onto, into, uh, into another dog with a bone, and the, the first dog tries to steal the second dog's bone, well, then it's absolutely natural for the second dog to say, uh, dude, this is, this is my bone. Uh, so gu- resource guarding is natural behavior. On top of that, we have bred resource guarding into an entire line of dogs called Livestock Guardian Dogs. Those dogs were bred for thousands of generations to do one thing, guard their resource. And in our case, the resource is our property, our location, our people, our sheep, our livestock. I have a a livestock guardian dog. And I did work very hard with her to make sure that she doesn't resource guard. And I will tell you, though, so she's smart enough to take, when she finds bits and pieces of dead animal, to take them out into the desert and keep them in her she has all these piles of her stuff that she keeps in various locations on the property so she'll keep her a dead animal bits in her pile and eat them when she goes there um so because they don't if they end up on the deck then you have fights because well duh so but uh you'll like the story maggie because this is so every night i feed billy the kid my livestock gardening dog in my living room because it's, you know, it's this whole ridiculous song and dance. And it takes her a good half hour to commit to eating her food or not, whichever. And the interesting thing at the end of the evening, whether there's food left in the bowl or usually if there's, well, there's almost always food left in the bowl. And it's from the bowl to the front deck where I'm going to let the next dog in to eat, not her bowl, but let him in to eat food is about eight feet. And Billy will be wandering around the house, committed to not eating. And so I go to open the door to kick her out. And the other dogs crowd around because they're hoping that it's their time to eat next. So everybody's crowded at the sliding glass door. Billy's about to go out. And then she sees those dogs. And her body language changes. And she goes and runs back to her bowl and defends it. Now, there's no growling. There's no, there's nothing but worry, you can see the worry, you can see the concern in her face of, oh, no, 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 don't let them get my bowl. This is my bowl. I don't care that I don't want it. No one else is allowed to have it. And what's fascinating about this behavior is, again, we, I've worked pretty hard to avoid any sort of resource guarding with this dog because she's a big, powerful dog, uh, and she easily outweighs my other dogs two or three to one, is if I walk over and pick up her bowl, I can then open the door and let her out and let the next dog in. The bowl just has to be off the ground. Then it's magically better. All gone. So, um, so the thing I'm going to say before we move on to that to the next type of of aggression uh, is is if you guys the easiest thing to do when you're thinking about resource guarding and your dogs is first understand that dogs have a right. I'm putting that in, in air quotes, but it's it's legitimate, I think, to their stuff. Uh, Billy's food is Billy's food. Now it doesn't matter that I pick up the bowl. And then once I let the next dog in, I take the bowl to a different room and feed it to them. Billy doesn't know that it's not magically different. It's food, but she has a right to her stuff. And there is a philosophy out there that the way to teach a dog not to become resource guardy is to take their food away while they're eating. If you break into my house with a gun you're going to turn me into somebody who's going to put bars, my windows, and I'm going to arm myself. So think about it this way. If you keep coming to my house and bringing me gifts, if I see you show up at my house, I'm going to like to see you show up at my house. If you keep showing up to my house and looking like you're stealing my stuff, I'm not going to like you showing up at my house. So the absolute easiest way to prevent, and that's what we're going to talk about is prevention, because once it's once this stuff is started down the road, then you need professional help. But to start, keep it from happening in the first place, walk by your dog's bowl and put something yummy in it. Give them more stuff. If my dogs see me approach, it's because I forgot to put the steak in. And watch their body language. And you want your dog to say, oh, my God, here she comes with the steak. And that's exactly what happens. Now, Billy never defends her food bowl against me. Because the only time I've ever gone near her food bowl, unless she's completely done with it, other than to show her there's still food in it because she forgot, is to put something yummy in it. So the absolute most important thing you can do with your puppy when you bring it home or your adult dogs, put food in their bowl. And then as you walk by, don't crowd them, don't get in their personal space any more than I would want somebody messing with my plate while I'm eating, drop some steak in it. So. um, Go ahead, Maggie. yeah dump steak in like I said because when they when they see me coming it's because I forgot to put something yummy in their bowl because that's that's who I am so the next the next one that I think we're gonna spend more time with is dog on dog aggression, and to a lesser extent dog on cat or critter aggression and I think that we do need to define cat dog on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of just throw this out there and let Maggie kind of noodle it through. It is my belief that dog and dog aggression is in fact aggression. That is aggression. That is a dog trying to control or do something with another dog through the use of a certain set of behaviors that we define as aggression. In most cases, when it comes to cats or other critters, what we're, it looks like aggression to the to the innocent, (laughs) to the cat, or the canary, or my chickens, or my sheep. But what it really is to the dog is predatory. And I think that's a different animal um, completely. Dealing with predatory behavior in a dog towards another animal that is not a dog or sometimes you can get predatory but dog behavior with another dog but I think it's pretty bloody rare and usually it's an oops situation where uh, like a sight hound maybe sees a running chihuahua and doesn't recognize it as a dog before they have a chance to accidentally kill it and then they go oh my bad that chihuahua is a dog damn it I shouldn't have murdered you it sounds like you're doing your dishes. <laughs> Uh, Okay. (laughs) So anyway, so what we're going to talk about more than predatory behavior towards other animals is actual dog on dog aggression. Because I think in, in the household, most people deal with resource guarding and dog on dog aggression. I think we start. I think we start. Yeah, I think we start with household aggression because I'm hoping that somebody who has a dog who lunges and barks and tries to murder another dog doesn't let their dog loose to eat that other dog. So I think that you know if you have an aggressive dog, don't take it to a dog park. Okay, there that we've solved that problem. Um, <laughs> build taller fence. But I think most people do deal with different levels of intra-dog household aggression. And oftentimes I think that they, I I think people actually think that that's normal, that certain amount of fighting within a dog household is, is normal. And and I think that most inter-dog true aggression, and I'm not talking about posturing and, and body language that infers aggression. I'm talking about actual physical altercations between dogs. That should be a very, very rare instance in your household. If it's more than that, that's problematic. I think that's fair. I, I, So uh, let me talk. I'll talk a little bit. So I live with six dogs, and that's a lot of dogs. And on top of that, five of them are females. So I only live with five bitches and one male dog. And I don't have dog fights on my property uh, very often. And when I do, they're caused by the former dog who's no longer here, the seventh dog, my foster bubbles, the moron. Um, so, but let me talk about what, what I do to kind of make sure that that doesn't happen because I have, you know, so here's the thing. When you bring a new dog, if you bring a puppy into a household with an adult dog, that puppy is generally given a kind of a uh, free ride for a bit the other dog, the puppy can run up and steal a bone and waggle and be like, look, I stole a bone. And the other dog's like, okay, kid, cause you're a puppy. You're getting away with that. And the owners, right. No, let's assume, right. Assuming the dog is is somewhat appropriate and the owner's like, Oh, how good, how wonderful. He lets fluffy steal the bone. And then what happens is at some point, the resident dog is going to say, okay, you're done. I'm done with that. And he's going to, and he's going to say, this is mine. And this is what I'm going to tell people as a rule. If your dog possesses something, no other dog is allowed to go near it, period, ever under any circumstances. If a dog has something in their possession, and that could be like Maggie said, it could be their bed. Uh, Cody yesterday decided that she possessed the entire second floor of my house (laughs) and told Dice that he wasn't allowed to climb the steps. I had to call her away and tell her that, no, (laughs) you don't own the second floor. Dice is allowed to come upstairs. But, but in Cody's case, what she did is just kind of snark at him and he just kind of winked at her and carried on with his life. And that, that's aggression, but it's all ritualized and they, right, at this point, right, yeah, Cody's threatening, because she did do an air snap. (laughs) She did, she did snap at him, um, but it's very ritualized, and it's very much a, this is my, this is my second floor, and if mom wasn't here, I would be telling you to get away, but she told me that I can't, so I'm just going to sit here and quietly loathe you, um, But resources. So when I got the two rescue dogs, when I got Bubbles and Ruby, when I got them um, here on the property a year and a half ago, they both resourced guard. Um, Bubbles resourced guarded any object that he found that he found to be worthwhile, which on open property like my own is constant and random. He also resourced guarded her. So, and he had like a 10 foot perimeter around her that he felt that no other dogs could go into. Well, what would happen is my dogs, unaware of his magical circle would wander through this 10 foot circle and he'd attack them. And because she, Ruby, the other dog who came in this, they told me when they dropped him off that there had been multiple dog fights between these two dogs. And there was a lot going on and I won't get into it because there's, so much there. Um, sibling syndrome, even though they were unrelated, blah, blah, blah. But a large part of it was that Ruby, if Ruby saw something that she felt was her, she'd take it. And Bubbles finally did the math and realized that he weighed twice as much as her and, or three times as much as her and said, uh, no more. And that what happened is she, she escalates quickly to, okay, let's, I'll throw down. Let's take, let's do it. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's fight, let's go. And because she escalates to a fight, then he escalates to a fight. And suddenly I had two dogs, my property where none of my dog, other dogs, other, my, my other dogs all use all this very subtle body language to, to, to explain to one another that you're going too close to my bone, or I don't personally like you or what have you. And all of a sudden I've got these dogs who give one half of a nanosecond of body language before they launch themselves. And so I had to absolutely address that because if I had permitted that to continue, then my other dogs would have become aggressive as well, because that's the only place they have left to go. If aggression is the first line of defense, then the only line that the other dogs could ever go to is also aggression. So what I had to do was if you had, when, bubble, when bubbles, when I give Billy a dead animal, Billy would take it to her pile. Then Bubbles would discover it on the pile, take it and put it on the front deck and be shocked and amazed that the other dogs wanted to walk across the deck. And then he'd attack them for walking across the deck. And I'd wake up and go out the front deck and find, you know, a string of duck guts on my deck. And that was not happy. And I'd hear dog fights, and that'd make me angry. So the rule was, is I'd pick up whatever grossness he had, take it in a shovel, put it in a dog run. And he could have it in the privacy of a dog run, but he was never permitted to have an object loose on the property because he wasn't smart enough to take it someplace to be private with it and he would just sit out in the open and the other dogs would be minding their own business not even realizing he had something and become victims of these random attacks and so that's how things escalate is is a the fastest, just like kids, you don't, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully you don't permit your children to steal from one another. Hopefully you don't allow might to equal right at your house with your children. So as a rule with dogs, I kind of, it's our job as their handlers, owners, pet parents, guardians, whatever the hell you want to call us to ensure that our dogs don't have to Ever defend their stuff, so my job is to be the referee and say, "Nope, that's his. He gets it." And if you can't behave, you're going in a crate. And I think that's one place to start with the resource guarding, at least with the dog-on-dog aggression. Now, to, the other thing is, you can just have dogs who flat hate each other. Uh, Dice hates Billy the Kid, my livestock guardian dog. She's beautiful. She's perfect. She's wonderful. She's the softest, sweetest, happiest. Thing, and she's just confused why he hates her. And she's like, but if I just put my paw on your head, I'm sure you'll love me. And if I gaze longingly at your face. And the whole time, he's got the big scorpion tail going on. His hackles are up. And he's in full-on, I'll bite your face off mode. And he just can't. He She's too bouncy and silly and big. And he doesn't, he just can't, he can't stand her. So... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah absolutely or or you have to have an en- you have to have enough control of the of the players to, and this is management. So like I said, Dice hates Billy. And, but the good news is Billy lives. She lives with a sheep, you know, she's down with the sheep or now, right now she's hanging on the deck, but she, she has her own agenda and her own, lifestyle and she's doing her own thing by and large. And Dice has, he lives in the house and he has his own lifestyle as well. And when he goes down to the sheep, she doesn't mess with him and he doesn't mess with her. And then occasionally what she'll do is she will run up to him, be, i love you. And he gets all hackly, but he has learned that he he's not allowed to express himself fully. <laughs> so yes, I have used Uh, punishment in this case to suppress behavior. Yes. Um, He's still welcome to hate her. He is still welcome to have the scorpion tail and the hackles and stand on his toes and growl and snarl at her and give her her hard eyes. Because the fact is, honestly, she should read some of that and not just stand there like a goofus and say, but I love you so. Um, But he is not allowed to snap at her. Um, He's not allowed to lunge for her and that will get a reprimand from me. He will be scolded for that um, because that is not appropriate. And he has, he's not, the other thing is all the things that are happening with these two dogs are all based on choices. And because my dogs have the freedom to, make those, none of these dogs are on leashes. They're not in a bedroom. They're not even in a house together. All these interactions are happening out in the open desert where either dog could choose to simply walk away. And neither is smart enough to do that. (laughs) So because of that, I have no qualms telling Dice, you can, you know, I stab her all you want. You can Call her every name in the book. You can growl at her. You can, I hate you, um, but what you are not permitted to do is put teeth on her, because partly for the reason is he hasn't done the math. She outweighs him three to one, and if she she's old enough now, she's three, that she might decide that she's had it with his shit, and if she decides that she's had it with his shit. That's a lot of dog to try to pull off my border collie. And I'm not, now I'm always there for the interactions between these two dogs because Dice is always with me and Billy's always on her own. So if, if, if I'm outside with Dice, then I'm outside with Dice. I mean, she's not outside with Dice alone. So all interactions happen under my supervision. And he, he's allowed to express himself in his hatred, but part of me is like, dude, just walk away. Don't just stand there like an asshole and go, I hate you. (laughs) Walk away. Because if he comes towards me, I'll tell her to leave him alone. But he'll stand there 50 feet away from me and go, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) And she doesn't read any of it. She's just like, I know you're saying you hate me, but that can't be real. And so she'll like put her paw on on his head. And I'm like, oh, Billy. Oh, Jesus, you're just making this so much worse. So, so much worse, you silly goofus. Oh, it hurts my brain. Oh, good. That's good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: i <laughs> yeah yeah no i could i can say that yeah Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, they're not allowed to. They're not supposed to. Yeah. They they I mean, it's it's yeah, no, it's very rare. And Dice always generally Dice instigates it by running up to her and reminding her how much he hates her. Um, he goes into her space just to define how much he hates her. He's such an ass or he'll be, he'll be next to me and she'll come up and say, hi, mom, I love you. And, and totally like smash him because she's an idiot. (laughs) Ah, you know, she does find him. No, she finds him frightening. She does. She doesn't like him. She does. She does find him frightening. But she's also an idiot. I mean, there's a there's a little bit of both. To be fair, she's just such a goofus. I mean, so she's, she truly has done a great job of ignoring everybody's body language. So she plays too roughly with uh, with with um, with tag. Like so, they'll play. It's funny; they've always played appropriately. Tag and she play appropriately, and again, there's another. It's another three to one weight differential. Um, and tag and she play, and they're fine. But if I go down to the sheep and then I head home back up to the up to the house, then Tag's running, and then Billy charges from behind and bowls her over. Okay, so she's playing very inappropriately for for Tag. So I've taught tag that if that happens she's to come to middle so tag will come and run in between my legs and then when billy approaches her because billy's like oh where'd you go where'd you go, where'd you go? Where'd my friend!" then i'll grab billy by the collar <laughs> tag can carry on with her life and billy is under house arrest for about 30 seconds until she can find her brain and then she's re-released back into the wild and rinse and repeat until she knocks the shit off and so that is how because I've taught tag to come to me. When that happens, because unlike Dice who instigates it then is offended. It's like I'm walking up to you to tell you I hate you and now I'm going to stand here and tell you how much I hate you. It's like, dude, get over here. <laughs> Don't what are you doing? She knows you hate him. You know she knows you hate her. Go away. Um because he does that, Whereas with Billy and Tag, it's not aggression. He, she's just a buffoon and a buffalo, and she smashes Tag. And so now Tag has learned that safety lies with me, and then I can capture Billy, put her on, put her in my hand, and leash walk her. You know, I'll walk her with my call her collar up to the house, or at least thirty seconds up to the house to give Tag give her a mental break, so she understands you're not allowed to bounce on your sister's head and smash her to the ground and kill her. It's bad. It's rude. So, um, and the good news is that it's, it's never dice's, dice's uh, behavior towards Billy has never, ever escalated. That is where it has, it has never gone beyond clear hatred. Um, but there's never been a fight, which is good because again, I don't want Billy to know that she could kick dice's ass. Uh, because Dice is kind of dipshit and would stay, would still be angry at her and constantly keep going and saying, "Well, okay, I know you killed me last time, but this time I think I've got it." And he, until she just ate him, so, so I certainly don't want, and I definitely do not permit them to practice that behavior. I mean, but it still happens because, like, he's he's such a psycho. So, but dog on dog aggression is as you guys hear. I mean, you're we're we're talking, and you know we are are living in multi-dog households where, yes, I think that I do a fair amount of management and Maggie does a fair amount of management. And she, Maggie does a lot more management than I do. She has a a much more committed dog. One of her dogs is much more committed. She lives in a far smaller spot and the small, the, the size of your household slash yard slash the house, the area the dogs can live in really defines the level of management that you have to do. It also, kind of defines how much management you can do. If Dice is 60 feet away from me and Billy's 120 feet away from me and Dice decides to cover the hundred, the other 60 feet and go 120 feet away to tell, me, to tell Billy he hates her, that's a lot of distance. And so the only correction I can give him at that point is to call him over to me or tell him to come over to me. Um, and that means I have to have obedience. Whereas in a smaller household, Maggie has to work a lot harder because she's got all these dogs in her house. Billy's not allowed in the house with Dice um, during feeding time. I mean, Dice, they all eat in the house, but they're not allowed to hang out together. And they're not allowed to look at each other's food bowls or anything like that. I mean, Dice will sometimes be loose, but he's focused on food and she's focused on food and that doesn't affect their hatred of each other. Um, So there's a lot of complicating and complicated situations when it comes to dog on dog aggression And I think part of the things we always have to be cognizant of is size differentials really are important. It is vitally important that I do not permit my hundred and something pound livestock guardian dog to understand that she can totally annihilate my 37 pound dumb as hell border collie (laughs) who thinks he's Napoleon. Um, Or with Maggie, she has two very substantial dogs that, and huge, right, yes.
1: So so Oh my God.
0: So discuss some of the management that you've that you've put in place. yeah no I get it
1: yeah Resources. (laughs)
0: well and that's important because you have two very large dogs and that matters it you know what what matters when you're dealing with dog on dog aggression is the commitment of the dogs Are they committed? Are both dogs committed to warfare? Are they committed to attacking each other? Committed to biting and poking holes in one another? Yes.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm like i'm like i wouldn't put that in quotes (laughs) yeah bob's bob's real Yeah, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Yeah.
2: Oh.
1: No, it, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: It is, and it's, and, and so I think where where I think we all kind of draw the line, or or I like to draw the line, is I I can live, like with Dice's body language, telling Billy that he hates her, he's allowed to do that, because he has a right to say, I hate you. Now, she should move away, and, you know, I've tried telling her that, but she's Billy, and whatever. Um, he has a right to say, I, I don't like you. Um, but... There's a difference between telling someone that you're going go away or I'm going to punch you in the face and telling someone you're going and to and going and getting a gun. And and when when I see teeth come out to control the environment, that's where the gun is being pulled out. And the reason I kind of draw that line is because the lessons learned from a bite can be so incredibly powerful for the dog, that if the dog starts, especially a fearful dog, if they start to learn that they can control pretty much everything with their teeth, then they're going to, they're going to go there. They're going to start there because it'd be, it's a stupid waste of time to go through all that posturing if none of that works, but teeth do. So we will segue and, and kind of go from dog to dog aggression, if that's okay with you, Maggie, to human directed aggression um, we're not going to spend as much time here because we. this is something that I think people need to be very cautious with. And any form of human directed aggression, I, I don't care if your dog looks at you cross-eyed, side is you call your behaviorist, you call your vet, you get on the phone. This is definitely not something you want to mess around with. And this is something that I'm very strong about drawing the line on personally. But so I'll give you the example, and I think we've probably talked about this example in the past. I have, so Ruby, again, um, she controls her environment with her teeth, and she bites, and she is lightning fast, and she's she's a slightly fearful dog, but mostly what she is is an over, over-amped dog, but she controls her environment. She doesn't like strangers, and she controls, controls her environment through teeth, and she does not screw around. Um, she goes from zero to a hundred in two seconds and she can be calmly on the leash. And then she's decided that the person that she's, that's off on the corner of her eye, 20 feet away is now 19 feet away. And she goes from zero to a hundred in a nanosecond. And she does that because she's learned the power of that behavior. So, she understands the power. And that's where the danger lies in aggressive behavior when it comes to human beings. Human beings suck at reading dog language. We suck at it. Unless you've really spent time studying it, we tend to b- ignore a lot of stuff on that we should have paid attention to. The dog then finally is done going through all the warnings. They've told you to get out of their house. They told you they don't like you. They told you they're calling the cops. They've threatened to go get the boyfriends. They've done everything in their power to get you to stop doing whatever you're doing. And now they go into the kitchen and they grab a gun and they shoot you in the kneecap and you get the hell out of Dodge. And they're like, well, okay, this is what it takes. So the next time you show up at their house, they're grabbing a gun. And it's not that they're bad. It's not that they're evil. It's that they've, you've, We, the humans, suck at reading all the warnings, the calling the 911, everything they threatened to do to us. And and we forced them to go to the big guns, literally, and use their teeth. But now that's where they're going to start. And now we've got a problem because now we've got a dog who's given up on calling 911 and given up on telling you to leave the house. And now they're just grabbing the gun. And we've empowered the dog with a very dangerous message. And I see this a lot actually with puppies. Uh, So everybody knows when you have a puppy, at some point you are going to ask them to do something and they're going to growl at you. Right. I mean, if you have any sort of grit in any of these puppies, so I'll give you an example tag tag, Tag wanted to come in the house when she was a little puppy, and I was trying to come in the door, and I didn't want her coming in the house. So I put my foot kind of on her chest, you know, I just kind of just to hold her back with my foot. And she went, "Ah, you know, she attacked my foot and she's like, "Ah," and she's all vicious. If I had misread that, if I had given her what she wanted, if I'd pulled my foot away really fast, that little fluffy, happy puppy would have learned a very dangerous lesson. And this happens a lot with people in couches or furniture where they go to get their puppy off the furniture and the puppy does exactly what any snotty toddler would do. If you push them around, they get snarky. They're like, I don't wanna get off the couch. I don't wanna, and they get shitty and they put teeth on you and they growl and you go, "Oh, my puppy attacked me. And you don't just continue chucking them off the couch you give them that power. And I'm not saying that your dog is Machiavellian. I'm not saying your dog is looking for power. He's not trying to take over your house. He's not trying to steal your voting rights. But you just showed him that he doesn't have to do what he doesn't want to do by simply doing this action. And I find that to be an incredibly dangerous and empowering situation that we often allow to happen just out of kind of poor handling and and not because the simple solution is instead of grabbing the puppy and checking it off the couch, you take a treat and you throw it off the couch. Um, you, instead of making it conflict-based. So when me putting a foot in Tag's face, I was, com- I was causing conflict. Now, I wasn't worried about that because I want her to take on conflict and kind of push into it. So I wanted that reaction from her. That made me happy because I, she's going to have to do that with my RAM. If my ram shoves his foot in her face, as it were, I want her to jump right back at him and kick his ass. But you don't want that from your Cavalier King Spaniel. You know, you don't want your Cavalier King Spaniel when you stick your hand in her face to get her off the couch to snap at you. So we don't, those aren't the lessons you want to teach your puppy. So just be aware of how handling a puppy creates conflict. Grabbing and shoving is conflict and conflict is going to be re- is going to be answered with aggression that's logical if you push a child they're going to turn around and go what are you pushing me for if you push me i'm going to turn around and slug you so using a, using that kind of behavior towards a puppy is going to create conflict and and i'm not saying never do it i'm saying if you're going to do it don't 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 then just jump back and scream and act like the puppy murdered you cuz it didn't
1: Yes. Are good. Yeah.
0: Right, by simply taking a squeak toy and chucking it off the couch. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it is <laughs> yeah no yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause not, you're right. And you're right. Cause I, I often don't think of what the the value that you do, but you're right. You do create, it's not a given, it's not guaranteed, but you can definitely accidentally, right. You can, you can absolutely create a, if you have a dog who who has that mental space to create covetous behavior towards a given item or object or area, um, then absolutely. Yes. Chucking them off the, the couch will, will certainly create, Will create a desire to get back there. I mean, we know that the thing that you are denied is the thing you want the most. So dogs are no different. Um and like Maggie says and I talked about in the last podcast was set yourself up for success, man. I mean, <laughs> make your life easy. Um my dogs are never permitted on the couch. So it's easy. It's, they're just it's never happens. So um if they get on the couch, then Well, they're usually, they don't get on the couch because they're not allowed on the couch. So if they start to put feet on the couch, I just put a treat on the floor and they're on the floor. And there's, there's never an argument over the couch because it's not, it's not, it's like they've never been allowed on the roof of the house either. It has no value. So there's no value in the couch because they've never been allowed on it. There's no value in getting on the top of the refrigerator because there's no value in it. yeah, they've never done it. So now Cody did discover the couch recently when I went to the spa, and I look in the window, and Cody's like, "I just discovered the couch," and she's laying on the couch. But uh, but what was he like? No, he's like, "Is that Cody on the couch?" I'm like, "Oh my god, Cody's on the couch." And what's wild is she has learned in her, and this is how her mind works. Now this is a dog who's never been in trouble, never been in trouble for getting on the couch, because she's never been on the couch, or she's called onto you on the couch. Like you, she can climb onto the human being on the couch and be cuddled that way, but she's not allowed to independently climb on the couch. So she's never been on the couch to my knowledge. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, I've discovered the soft look. Cause she does like soft. She loves soft, bushy spots to sit. And, but when we opened the door, we didn't say a word. We just came in the house. Cause we'd already forgotten. I mean, we don't care. It's like, who cares? She jumped off the couch. So she's like, okay, spa means Cody's on the couch. Humans in the house means Cody's on the couch. But she didn't, it wasn't like we got in and said, you're a bad dog. Get off the couch. You're busted. We, we forgot. We came in the door and Cody met us at the door. Hi. Cause there's just, it was, it was kind of interesting. It's just like, she's now thought she's learned, she's figured out that the rules of the house are. Cody can be on the couch if there are no people in the house. And it's not her trying to, quote unquote, get away with something. It's just something she's discovered. But if there are people on the couch, well, then, or people in the house at all, then the couch is simply off limits. It That's just not even a thing. It's, it's kind of fascinating to me that she's kind of put that together. And I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, it's just wild.
1: Right. Yes, true.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, like I said. Well, yeah, like I said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's never occurred to my dogs. Yes. Yeah, never occurred to my dogs to jump on the couch when I'm, when I'm so, but what I was saying before I got distracted by my own story, cause wow, wow. I need more, no more caffeine is if you are going to permit your dogs on the couch, the simplest thing you can do is <laughs> control their access. Do it. Treat the couch like a door, call them up, good dog, hang out. And then, Tell them, give them a command for off. Off is usually simple. Please don't use down. If you're going to use down for lie down, because then that's just stupid. Please don't do that. My husband does that it makes me crazy. Um, And then train them to jump off the couch, jump on the couch, jump off the couch, jump on the couch. Now it's just a behavior. Now it's parkour in the house. And what I like about that is then you can sit down and your dogs aren't going to jump on the couch automatically if you don't if it's hot and sweaty and you don't want them if they're covered in mud, you can control their access to the couch. You own that behavior because you've taught it. It's a trained behavior. It's, just, it's no different than sit and that way, if you go to a friend's house and they don't want your dog on the couch, you don't have to worry about you coming into the room and discovering your dog on their couch because they were never given the the cue to jump on the couch. So that's a very easy thing, just to create a command um, to get onto the couch and then create a secondary command to get off of the couch. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm just a big believer in if you're going to allow a dog to do something that would otherwise be annoying, name it and own it. And that way, it's not, it's, it, you're allowing the dog to fulfill those needs, but you're not creating a situation of conflict. I want to avoid conflict as much as possible because I have this number of dogs and because I'm a lazy trainer. I, the conflict is a pain in the ass. No good comes of conflict unless it's with the sheep, in which case sometimes you've got to have a little conflict. So my dogs can learn to be uh, aggressive, which they need to be with the sheep. Um, but I don't want conflict in my training. I don't want conflict in my house. I, I don't. It's, it's exhausting. I don't want to live like that. Yuck. Um, so, I think we covered it because I don't want to go, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time on human aggression because human, I think that is something that really, honestly, guys, if you have a dog who, like I said, even looks halfway snarky to a human being, you need to, I don't care if it's a chihuahua, call call a professional, get somebody in there, get some training because that is not something you want to allow to continue. Oh, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. yeah it it can't be a good a good emotional place you know i feel bad for rubles when she ruby when she is you know when she was when i first got her and she just any stranger would cause her just go berserk and and we've worked quite a bit on that uh and now she can be around human beings actually maggie I like this i i introduced barn hunt to her yesterday just randomly on a whim uh it was cool it was only 90 degrees out it was like ridiculously cool i almost got my parka out i know i uh, no. today was 97 i guess so it's back to being stupid but anyway um i took i took a i took a rat down to the barn hunt area for in a tube for the dog for dice and then dice annoyed me so i made him so i stopped playing with him and then ruby was really interested in the rat smell she was like oh this is cool. So I was like, okay, what the hell? Let's try, let's play with this. Oh my God. She's like, she's like, she's the happiest, coolest, bounciest thing. She's just like, she's like Tigger. She's just ricocheting. You know, I forgot how much I love Aussies. It's so funny. People are like, I can't believe you live with Border Collies. My Border Collies are sleeping. Like literally Cody's in the other room. I don't even know where she's at. Dice has been sleeping this entire conversation. Tag is sleeping out front. But Ruby has come up like 20 times to the front door with various toys and stared at me like, can you throw this one? And then she'll leave and come back with a different one. Can you throw this one? And th- this dog's like 24 seven. I don't know if she sleeps, but she's so bouncy and happy. She They don't have the seriousness of the Border Collies. I really like Aussies. I, she's just so much fun. And she loved Barn Hunt. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know how we're going to do Barn Hunt if you're going to eat the judge. So you're going to have to learn how not to eat judges. Oh, silly girl. So, anyway. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yeah well uh, yeah no i i uh i it's funny because she's just so she's like up for anything whereas the other the border collies are just so intense you know they're like are we going to the sheep are we going to the sheep are we going to the ducks can we go to the ducks i want to go to the ducks do you see the geese i see geese do you see geese i see geese do you see geese and ruby's like bouncing around like ricocheting she's like we what are we doing what are we doing i've got a stick look i got a stick i got a toy i found a toy (laughs) oh my god oh my god oh yeah they're so it's like a golden retriever attached to a border collie you've got the the drive and the yeah the kind of edginess of the border collie and then you've kind of just got the non-seriousness of the of the golden so anyway she's just so much fun she's so much fun yeah i really lucked into that dog so okay any last phrases words any last anything Cause we'll probably not hear from you for another month. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> okay. We'll talk about the conference next time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. So we'll wrap it up. Um, any, or what I was going to say? If you like what you heard, please recommend us, uh, rate us, share us, review us. Oh, my God. I think I did all of those. I'll be damned. Um, Thank you all. And we will see and or hear you hear you next week. Thanks. Bye.